Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we would also trade Yoshi for that cool emo rabbit. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including a Cold Stone Creamery taste test. And then on Thursday, we're ranking the Robot Masters in the first three Mega Man games. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I have to admit, Patrick, I'm a little hopped up on sugar right now. A little hopped up on sugar. I am. I fear the fall i fear the crash <laughs> yeah we i think we have to get through this episode before the sugar it's a rush ra- ends. It, yeah it's a race against time yeah, at this we point. um just to give a little color for our listeners basically just returned from cold stone creamery that's right to do a little taste test uh that we'll be talking about a little bit later on the show but that means i've had a lot of ice cream and um i'm feeling it the thing is like i don't know why well, you, you and i don't really like indulge in like s- sweet things no not very, very often very often kind of because we know that it, once we start it's just like we it, can't game stop. over we uh-huh. just gotta eat until uh, our bellies explode um but look we th- there are ice mario and animal crossing and i'm giving a, a, too much information about it up, up top <laughs> and kirby ice cream flavors and we had to try them all we had to we simply had to um here's something you don't have to do but you can do is uh get on the list to borrow my copy of sonic forces for the nintendo switch all you gotta do is email us at nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send my copy of sonic forces for the nintendo switch i pay for postage both ways you play as long as you want um it's the perfect borrowing program um perfect borrowing program uh still currently experiencing um i don't know where either of the games are which we have been in this We've scenario we've been before. in this scenario before uh-huh. uh which is partially why it takes so long to get it out to new people but i have faith that they will return yeah Absolutely. And I just ask that everyone else also have faith. And I said they because there's also a copy of Untitled Goose Game out there, um, which is in a Sonic Forces box. Um, the boxes are slightly different. I know the difference between them, but no one else does. It's my little secret. Not even Mark knows the difference. Um, so they'll return to us, and then they'll go back out to you. Uh, it's a great time. Get on that list. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Um, we appreciate it a ton. It helps people find the show. Uh, Patrick and I just like reading the reviews. We like any interaction we have with our listeners, and it is fun to see people's feedback. Uh, if you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we will see it, and we will, we will give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else, we can't see it, but we still want to give you that shout-out, so let us know. Send right. us an email. We hit us want up on to Twitter. see it, but we can't. Yes. Uh-huh. Like Santa Claus when you're a kid. Yes. That exactly. you want to stay up. We can't stay up this late enough to read your reviews on <laughs> no, any other platform. No, we're so tired. We try. We're all tuckered out. Right. Um. So if you, because like Santa Claus, we're not able to see you. This we is seasonally you. appropriate. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about Santa Claus in July. Um. We still want to know. Yes. Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. And so we can give you that shout out. Like Luca Darkwater. Thank you so much for the five-star thank review you, on Apple Podcasts. It was a very kind review. So uh, thank you very much for that. They don't all have to be that kind, but like. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It made I, me smile. It made me smile too. You, you texted it to me, Mark. And I said, Sarah, look at this. This is great. <laughs> um, here's the other thing you can do is you can get on our Discord uh, which is a place where Nintendo Cartridge Society fans are hanging out, talking about Nintendo. It's sweet. It's fun. It's funny. It's insightful. Uh, I like it a lot. I'm so glad that we have started it. If you would like to be in there having fun conversations about Nintendo stuff, shoot us an email, hit us up on Twitter, and we will let you in. Uh, it is invite only, uh, so no riffraff, right? No, no, no one gets past the the gate that is you and me. Right? Yeah, that's right. We're except uh, for everyone who asks except to for come everyone through. who asks to right. come in. Right. Um, All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. 
All right. So last week, I was listening to the Rum and Wings Tabletop Gaming Podcast hosted by my buddy Pete Farr. Um, and he he had previously been on this show, right? So I, I think like I was on uh, his mind, but maybe it would have come up anyway uh, on, on his show. Uh, what they were talking about high score chase games. Uh, and they mentioned uh, Tetris. Uh, and he did a little like sidebar to be like, by the way, have you ever seen Patrick play Tetris 99? He's a fiend. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, Tetris 99. Like, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm like, yes, that is what oh, I do. you got the itch. I did. I, I got the itch. And I was like, let me just, like, let me just, like, get back in there. Oh, no. Um, and so, you know, I, I played for a, a couple hours this weekend. Sarah saw that I was playing, and then she was like, let me get a go at that. <laughs> So we played, this was like a lost uh, Tetris 99 weekend for us where we just like, I don't know, probably added another like 10-ish hours to our play clock. Um, my uh, my friend Taylor clocked that we were playing Tetris 99 and saw how many hours we had clocked in a total. And he said, Patrick, that's 16 days <laughs> <laughs> of Tetris 99. Um but here's the thing. Here, here's the real reason why, uh, you know, that that's the reason why I started playing this weekend. Why did I put in so much time? Um, I was like, oh, this is tough, and I know the game is tough. But I was like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a Tetris Maximus this weekend. And we kept getting close. Ooh. Kept getting like in the top ten, a, a couple second places. We did not land a single Tetris Maximus. No first place victory. At all this weekend, between Sarah or myself. Wow. Must have been a tough group on Tetris 99 this week. It mu- it, I mean, it was probably A, that. B, we're both rusty. Um, it took us a long time to get uh, Tetris Maximuses in, in the beginning. But, like, I don't know. I still feel like we're pretty good. But anyway, I'm still sore about it. I'm going to go. I'm going to play more of it tonight because, like, I want to get. When I can get a first place victory under my belt, then I think it'll be out of my system. But, mm-hmm. like. Maybe maybe not. Maybe uh, maybe that just feeds the addiction even more. Um, speaking of addictions, Mark, uh, I am still playing Dragon Quest Builders too. Um, last we spoke, uh, I had uh, uh, just had like a big story moment with uh, Furrowfield uh, Farm, um, the uh, character that had been like shepherding my guys along on on this journey had just been killed by um, his like old friend from the Church of um, Destruction. Um, since then, I have rebuilt the Dia tree, which is like a, a godly tree, um, as the portmanteau implies, uh, and uh, like restored the farm to like all of its former glory. And a bunch of us that like built the farm together have now sailed off to other islands to like do it again somewhere else. It's beautiful. I love the game. the The fact that I am now away from my my first village. Um, means that I get to take all of that knowledge into building the second one. And I'm like, okay, this one's going to be different. There's going to be more space here for this. I know where I'm going to plant, you know, uh, where I'm going to plant the tomatoes. I'm not going to have the same weird little hiccups as, as the last time. Uh, and it feels great to bring that knowledge uh, into a new setting. And the game is still throwing new things at me. Um, new expectations for like there's this giant river that uh like comes from the mountaintop that like we had to carve and then fill with water um it's just awesome i i i could not be happier with how dragon quest builders 2 just gets like better and better as i play that sounds so fun how many hours would you say that you are into it uh i would say 20 20- <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I would say I'm about like 25, 30 hours into it. Do you have any idea of how long it is? None. Yeah. I have no idea. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Like it just, and, and like there's it in like two ways, right? Like I don't know how long it would take to like mainline the game. And I think you can probably just like meander like forever. Yeah, that's just probably like fair. Build out your village for as long as you want. Um, I love it. I w- will probably talk about it less as I just sort of like settle into like a nice groove with it, but maybe not. So <laughs> maybe expect yeah, to hear a lot more about it. Who knows what like big plot right. advancements are uh, forthcoming. Yeah, it could be a bunch. So I've s- still been playing Bowser's Fury and I beat it in quotes, you yes. know, so I got the 50 cat shines and defeated uh, Fury Bowser and I 
don't know why I always forget this with like more recent Mario games, but they improve so significantly once you like beat the story mode mm -hmm. and like a bunch of so i was enjoying bowser's fury but found elements of it more like frustrating than fun like i did not i do not really enjoy the fury bowser part of it like when yeah. he would wake up even though it was necessary because that's the only way you could get like certain cat shines and everything but once you get those 50 cat shines and you've like beat the game then you get really easy fast travel. It shows you where all, like, these other cat shines are. Like, all right. of this, like, quality of life stuff happens. Same thing happened when I played, um, you know, like, Super Mario Odyssey for the first time. Where, it, you know, you, initially I was trying to get every moon. In, Foolhardy. In the, yeah, Foolhardy, in the beginning. Yes. Like, dumb, not worth it. And then once you beat it, a billion more moons appear. And, right. like, a bunch of quality of life improvements. So I have to re remind myself anytime I get into a new Mario game, just like just speed through it, just, just mainline get it to the end, through yeah. the it, and then it opens up. Um, and so I and I ended up liking it more than when I started. Once I got, even though I was like forty cat shines into it when we first talked yeah. about it, like those last ten cat shines, um, for whatever reason, just like started clicking more. So once I beat oh, that, interesting. instead of like putting the game down, well, wait I, a minute. Cause as, as you get closer to that, like 50 cat shines, do, doesn't Bowser become yeah, Fury Bowser more frequently? Well, it's like, so for like the last, uh, when you get like 47 or 48 shines, he doesn't go away. He, right. It's always yeah. Fury Bowser. And so those last two are a little more frantic, but yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like, cause last time I was not super into like the controls, but so I don't know if that just started clicking more. But anyways, once I hit the 50, I just rolled right into some other ones because like I started having more fun. Um, when the, I mean, I guess this is spoilers for Bowser's Fury. So warning, but when you d beat the game, then, you know, like the Captain Toad Brigade shows up, right? you know, and you have to like find each of them. They're like a small part of the game, not like a major component, but just like a lot of like, little fun things open up to you that it just makes the first 50 almost feel like a tutorial. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I'm having more fun with it now than I was last week. Um, I also think that it is a, a, a fun game to, even though it is like a big open world, that the exploration of that world is is not particularly fun. Totally. But the like obstacle courses that you encounter within it are fun. Mm -hmm. So when you are no longer like purely exploring the world and you know it and you just go and like do these obstacle courses, then it's a better game. And okay, I am going to spoil the last like that battle with Bowser. Yeah. Um but it it's an interesting kind of like last encounter because you're on Plessy. Yeah. And you're basically just um, riding around the open world, like the ocean of the open world, and jumping it, through yeah. obstacles while Bowser's like throwing stuff at you. And you're kind of like bumping into these three cat shines that he, that Bowser has. And then at the end, you know, like you break the casing on those three cat shines. And so Mario turns into like the giant like cat right, Mario thing. Giga cat Mario. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then, but Plessy also turns into this cat type Amazing. Thing, Amazing. Which is so, but then at the very, very end, you defeat Bowser and like, there's like a little cut scene going and <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Basically like uh, you and Bowser Jr. Are, like doing your little thing on the back of still giant Plessy. And then the camera all of a sudden like pulls back and you see how enormous Plessy still is. And he's like cat Plessy. And then he does this little like, thing to the camera <laughs> plus he's the best it's, man it was, it was it made me laugh it was that was really cute that endeared me to the game a lot uh plessy is a a, a wonderful uh, addition to the mario canon yeah like just truly one of the great supporting characters uh i've also i also picked up a Leckhead, which was a game that was in i think the last indie world showcase that we talked about and thought it looked interesting i totally missed that it released at the end of june so I picked it up. I think it's 10 bucks, but I had some gold coins. So I ended up paying like $3 for it. Nice. But I really enjoyed this game. It's to make it through it once was short. It took me maybe like 45 minutes. And then oh. I like. That's very short for $10. Yeah. But yeah. then I immediately went. But it's not a game that I feel like you're 
like you get through it once and you, then you like understand the mechanics mm. and you're like okay there's a ton of like hidden stuff that i missed and so it was short enough that it actually worked great for me like i liked that because it was like okay like i got through it i get it and i immediately felt the like desire to go back into it yeah. and like find the stuff that i had missed so it's, st- it's still fairly short i would say it took me maybe like four four and a half hours to 100 percent the game but it's really cool i want you to f- to play it and finish it patrick so we can talk about the endings of the game Whoa. because it's it's um like i don't want to oversell it but it's like it's interesting it's not really something that i have seen a lot of other games do the way that uh Elekhead, like approaches multiple endings what could so, this mean yeah like i and again like, so mysterious uh, you're yeah, overselling it, i know and I, and I really don't want to because it's not like some like earth shattering thing but it's just an interesting approach to multiple endings mm, okay so but right. anyways really cool worth checking out short you know like a four-hour experience to a hundred percent it but i am still thinking about it a couple of days later like huh. it really made an impression on me um well yeah i will absolutely check it out and then finally, this isn't something that I played, but it's something, you know, Nintendo's been kind of messing with Nintendo Switch Online. And, you know, they started adding notifications when you have platinum points to earn and all, or that you can redeem and all that kind of stuff. But this last week, it ends today, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle was had like a Nintendo Switch Online free trial. But and in the past you had to like actively go and download it from the Nintendo Switch online app. But this time it just showed up in my like squares, like in my apps. Yeah, it, it showed up in my squares too. I feel like there there was a one previous that also did that, uh, where it was just like in like on my screen. You still still would have to download it, but it was just like showing you that it was there with like the little countdown of which like I, how much time you have which left i think is such a smart and like good way to totally, do it because totally. before it was so buried like i don't know how you would if you were not tuned into nintendo twitter or something right i don't know how you would know that this trial was going on yeah well they must have seen that people weren't actually even people who were subscribed to nintendo switch online weren't actually engaging with the free game trials um it is weird to see a free game trial pop up for a game that I own. It, that part I was like, okay, we're not a hundred percent there yet. Right. Well, and like, I don't, I don't own it digitally. I own the physical copy of it. So I like, do own it digitally. Okay. Well, so. so that's like extra weird. So if you were actively playing it at that time, it would have been your first icon and your second icon. <laughs> yeah. Would have been Mario uh, plus Rabbit. But I like that they are continuing to improve Nintendo Switch Online and making it feel more like an ecosystem yeah. instead of some weird like thing that exists outside of the switch that you just kind of have to like know about um also it usually turns out that uh following the free trials that the games are um deeply discounted uh mario plus rabbit's kingdom battle has been in a constant state of uh deeply discounted for a while so i don't know that it's going to be anything like they're not going to sell it for like five bucks or anything but um you know like 12 probably something like that um, yeah, it, I think I feel like we were talking about it not that like a week or two ago, where like it was all down to like fourteen bucks. Yeah, I mean the the Ubisoft games on Switch go on deep deep sale all the time. Don't pay full price <laughs> for an Ubisoft game on Switch. Um, you got to wait like six months and it'll, it'll drop in price. Um, all right, well that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. The only thing I really want to call out this week is on Friday, July 15th, we're getting the next release in the Nintendo 64 Switch Online library, and it is Pokemon Puzzle League. This is also the first of these games uh, that was not part of the original announcement of games coming soon. Um, So this is the first one that's like kind of a surprise. Yeah, and I feel like there was some amount of expectation. I don't know from us necessarily, but just out there in the universe that Nintendo would say, okay, and like here's wave two. Right. And we're going to like delineate the next eight or 12 or whatever releases for Nintendo Switch Online. We don't even know when the next Mario Kart (laughs) tracks are coming. (laughs) Nintendo doesn't have to tell you anything. I know. So yeah, so (laughs) I I think this is just going to be the way forward that, you know, uh, every couple of months, every month or so, a new Nintendo uh, 64 game is going to show up kind of like out of nowhere, similar to what the NES and SNES have been. Well, and, and at this point, it has truly been once a month. So like... 
the the cadence is predictable. We just don't have any idea what those games are going to be from here on out. Yeah, I would say predictable for now. I yes. wonder if it'll continue. I said have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I d- definitely. Uh, you know, it, we could go another year before <laughs> another one is announced. Um, and then they drop three all at once. I've never played Pokemon Puzzle League. It is a it's a panel to pawn okay uh, game, um, which we do have as part of the. Um, Super uh, Nintendo. Which is different Switch from Online. Puyo Puyo, right? Yes. Okay. Puyo Puyo is uh, you're dropping little um, little blocks of like two uh, different color or same color like beans uh, on, on, on the screen. You have to like match them up. Panel to Pawn is uh, there are these like squares and the, like the whole thing kind of uh, scrolls up and you uh, flip things around in like a in a field that's already like static. Oh, I don't know that I've ever played a Panel to Pawn game. Panel to Pawn is great. Um, I, I was not familiar with it before because um, Panel to Pawn, the one that appears on the uh, Super NES Switch Online, uh, is the Super Famicom uh, release, right? It never, it was never localized, uh, and I think that uh, Pokemon Puzzle League is the way in which that was introduced to people here. Maybe, maybe Tetris Attack uh, was that. I don't really know. It's uh, this. That's a, a field of uh, Nintendo history. I'm not super plugged into, um, but I do know that Pokemon Puzzle League has like a reputation of uh, just being a good version of Panel to Pawn. Um, and has that fun, uh, you know, Pokemon overlay. I'm very excited to check this out. Um, the, it's not, it doesn't stop you from playing, but the fact that the Super NES panel upon is all in Japanese means that there are frequently times when I was choosing game modes without knowing what I was choosing. Sometimes with a Super NES game, uh, having it in English might not help. You know what I mean? Where you're yeah. just like, okay, game type A versus game type <laughs> B. I don't know what these are. Um, but at least uh, in in English, I can Google what they mean. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 excited for this. Uh, when do you think we start getting? I mean, I I am excited about this. I understand this to be a, a big deal, but like a big deal with like an asterisk, right? It's a big deal, but it's a uh, just a puzzle game. No, right? I like. Were you were you going to ask when do you think we start getting like a Donkey Kong sixty four? Like the next yes. like, big the kind next of, like big release. one. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really have any sense of when that would happen because I feel like with let's say like the Donkey Kong Country games, right? They stagger those on the SNES. And right. it, it didn't seem to be around any like themed no, anything. It's just like, oh, now. Well, is and all of them kind of after when they were updating it regularly. Right. So I, I, it's hard for me to even like venture a guess. Yeah. Um, the last one was Pokemon Snap, right? So we're in a little bit of like a we're in Pokemon Alley at this point. So like, can they do Pokemon Stadium? Is that a thing that they can do without you connecting your Game Boy cartridge to it? Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll have to just wait a month and and find out. All right, Mark, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes, purposes of this show... Our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, in... Hold on, wait, I've lost the article. In uh, May of 2021, a YouGov poll went out to uh, Britons, to uh, uh, citizens of, of, of the UK, asking them how they would fare in an uh, unarmed combat fight with various animals. Um, and so I've, I've got the results here of uh, what percentage of Britons thought that they could beat this animal in a fight. Um, and I think for the, for the purposes of this, like unarmed means unarmed. Uh-huh. You, you have no weapons. Uh-huh. The animal has no weapons. It's one-on-one. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. I was asking, I was going to ask if it's you and I teamed up against no. one of these animals. No. Or, okay. And am I guessing for you and you're guessing for me, or are we guessing for ourselves? I think we have to guess for ourselves. Okay. Because th- that, that, that's part of it that, like, we have to – I will also give the percentage, okay. right? Um, and, and for the purposes of our conversation, let's say it's a fight to the death. <laughs> okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, ready? Totally. Um, and also, like, it's in a, a an enclosed space. Like, you're not 
you're not in like a giant field or okay. something, right? One one other point of order. So, are you going to read the animal and then we'll determine and then we'll say like what percentage of Bretonians? No, I think we're d- we're going to weigh in on like whether we think we could do it and then I'll say what what okay. percentage of Bretonians. Okay, great. Um and this is uh, in order from most likely to least likely to to um win the fight. Um so number 1 rat to the death? To the death. Yeah, I, 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 I think like yeah, I think you definitely can. I feel right? like you could take a rat. Sixty-seven percent of Britons say that they would beat a rat, which means that thirty-three think that a rat would kill them. Well, maybe those thirty-three know, so know something we don't. Like maybe they own rats and they know how smart they are. But it's it's so small. <laughs> What's it gonna? How's it gonna? How's it gonna attack you? I don't know. Its little claws. Yeah. Um, a house cat. I think I could take a house cat. I think you could take a house yeah. cat. I think I could take a house cat, too. Especially if it's to the death. Yeah, I'm going to kill that <laughs> cat. It's not killing me. 66% of Britons thought they could do it. A goose. So, I mean, I think I would definitely, with all of these, yeah. for, like definitely get injured. But I think I could kill a goose. Yeah, I think I could. Get, yeah, and a goose might break your arm, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's going to get gross. It's going to get gross, for sure. 45% of Britons think uh, they could beat a goose in a fight. Not with, even half? Which means which means 55% are just rolling over and letting this goose kill I don't them. know that they're rolling over. This feels like a large percentage of people have experience with these animals that we don't. That we're just looking at them being like, I could take that goose. And 55% are like, no, you no couldn't. No way. That goose is going to – what? What is the goose going to do? <laughs> it's going to hit you with its wings? Gonna you're tri- going to snap its, it's neck? It's going to trip you. And then when no. you're <laughs> – How is it going to trip you? With what? I don't know. It's neck. <laughs> um, next up is medium-sized dog. I don't know that I w- even want to talk about this one. <laughs> so I feel like the answer is I'm beating a dog. <laughs> You, but okay. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to rats, goose, or what What was the other one? House cats. Right. You're like, whatever. When it comes to dogs, don't want to talk about well, it. Well, no, a dog is a dog. <laughs> I, I think, uh, again, to the death. To the death. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I it's mean, a grisly question. I apologize for bringing <laughs> it up. Uh, okay, so le- it must be less than half of yeah. people from Britain. Do you think you you, you could do it, right? I guess. 38% think that they could beat a dog. Uh, see, I feel like we're overconfident. I feel like they're... You don't think you could beat a dog? I, a so medium-sized no, dog? see, I feel like I'm going into these fights with confidence, and there's like 62% of people being like, that person is a fool. I've I've been in an encounter with a dog. Because, like, think about it. If it's if this is like a mean yeah. dog... yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If it's a mean dog, you know. can pin it. Like you can you can get that mean dog I don't down. No, that's like forty pounds of fury. Okay, well thirty eight percent. Next up, eagle. <laughs> no way. Eagle would be hard. Eagle would be hard. Because I feel like an eagle like could fly away and like wait you out. And <laughs> it's got talons and stuff. It's got talons, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's gonna take little swipes so. at you. That's eighteen percent. Oh, oh no, we'll never know the rest of the list. Um, but it, it only gets crazier from there. Um, and I just, I just want to highlight that. Uh, uh, so some of the two, the, these are all the the two percent ones, right? Grizzly bear. Two percent of people think they can beat a grizzly bear in unarmed combat. No, you cannot. No. Um, an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I would just, you just get smashed so quickly. Uh, a lion mm. and a gorilla. No. There's no way. No. Like these. What's wrong with? The, why are these people so confident? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like. You know, I'm acting so confident about being able to defeat a rat in hand-to-hand combat to the death. And then... You weren't even that confident! Two, we- two weeks from now, you're going to be like, well, Mark is no longer on the show because he encountered a rat in the wild and that rat... And he just rolled over and gave <laughs> up. I'm really putting off saying the name of the group that accompanied us today because their name is Ikander Bajorksvig Musiklag. All right, there we go. All right, Mark, (laughs) enough of that. Let's get into the news. Nintendo of America has named company veteran Devin Pritchard as the company's new executive vice president of sales, marketing, and communication. She's been acting in this role since November 2021 and has been with Nintendo for 16 years. Okay. So remember at the end of last year, Nintendo closed its California and Toronto offices. Yes. And consolidated where like in their California offices, 
I think in the Bay Area were where sales and marketing was based out of. And so they moved all of those employees or I guess laid off some employees and apparently moved. They didn't move the contractors, yeah, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, definitely. Um, but consolidated all of that into their Redmond, Washington offices. And at that same time, the then senior vice president of sales and marketing, Nick Chavez, left the company as well and so Devin Pritchard has been acting in that role since um those changes last year um do you think there's a world where we end up seeing her in future Nintendo directs I wonder because walking even, out and pulling a, a a new Nintendo 2ds out of her yeah pocket. I don't know because even Doug Bowser doesn't really show up in Nintendo directs much nowadays yeah like he showed up to like introduce himself mm-hmm. right or like when there was some Bowser thing no to, I, I think it was when yeah. um and about Nintendo's Bowser was included because they were playing. They're both off of Nintendo's the Bowser. That's true. That's true. But yeah, like I think when Reggie, you know, like um, it was his last D three. Yeah, I think sure. That's where they like introduced Doug Bowser. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I would guess no. It you know a lot of Nintendo of America executives don't really have a lot of presence in in Nintendo directs. Yeah, it's just weird that Reggie did right like. Where does that come from? Is that him being like, I got to get in front of the camera? I wonder if some of that was legacy, right? Because he was Mm. out there in the early 2000s, kind of like the face of Nintendo. But the, and so I wonder if like that just kind of like carried into Nintendo Direct. Right. And then as the, I feel like the Nintendo Directs now are very, for the most part, hosted by um, the Japanese executives. Right. And, when they moved away from the in-person events where uh, now it doesn't require a lot of like, they don't have to speak in English. Right. And so I think. Well, A, they don't have to speak in English and you don't really need like a person to host it. You yeah. You really just need a voice to host it. Right. It's still like, there's still the moments where like it has to break out into individual segments, but like they have the personalities for those already. Like Masahiro Sakurai is already there for Smash. Um, uh, uh, Aonuma is there Aonuma for, Zelda. for Zelda um, and Miyamoto is still there for whatever uh-huh, right? for the Mario animated movie That's uh, come on <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but like it seems like they they have the um, the personalities are so tied to development now mm-hmm. um, that like they don't necessarily need the marketing guy in uh, Reggie or someone like that Um but there, you know, there's just I, I like having the cast of characters that we can refer to as like the collective face of Nintendo, um, and it'd be cool if she was one of them. Yeah, remember E3? No, it's back in Pog form, just like Elf. <laughs> well, uh, as if to say to E3 naysayers like myself, and so's your old man. Oh, the dang. <laughs> Entertainment Software Association announced that Reed Pop, the company responsible for handling packs. Star Wars Celebration, New York Comic Con, and other events. Like C2E2? It will be running E3 2023. Um, a real thing that they are saying is going to happen next year. In Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Yeah, in the second week of June. So, yep. you know, like traditional E3 like place and time. <laughs> um, but they say that it's going to include both digital showcases and in-person components that will be open to fans. And they specifically make a point of promising that media registration is being both streamlined and made more secure and will open later this year. Here is a true thing. Reed Pop knows how to put on a show. Uh, and they know how to put on, like, a couple different kinds of shows. PAX and C2E2 are not the same show, right? Celebration and New York Comic Con are not the same shows. Um, but they are all pretty good shows. I haven't been to all of them, but like the uh, C2E2 and New York Comic Con are uh, two shows that I've been to, and they're like pretty well run. Um, my biggest, uh, not complaint, but just like, is that like security at these things are a joke always. <laughs> um, like you go through the the metal detectors, and uh, uh, it just it all it all seems just like laughable where it's like no one cares about anything. Um, but once you get on the show floor, um, they're well organized, they're well attended, they're well publicized. Uh, like everything about them is good. They run smoothly. Yeah. I, I think this is a good sign for what E3 so could be. I, 
you know, the last couple of years of E3, when they opened opened it back up to the public, it was really kind of like this uncomfortable mesh of a fan event and like an industry event, and it never really figured itself out. I will be interested in the fact the fact that they're bringing in Reed Pop to run it feels like um, more more fan focused, more fan focused. But it'll just be really interesting to see what this actually means especially because i was you know on the record super skeptical that e3 was ever going to come back yeah i mean it's yeah i i think you're right that it will be more fan focused but i, I think still not as much as like a pax right i think they're still going to try to swing the the name e3 around to get the big publishers to hold announcements till that time to hold uh press conferences around that time um I don't know how successful they'll be in doing that, uh, but maybe they will be. Like maybe people are like hurting for the single unifying event um, and not have to like drag stuff out over uh, you know a whole summer of Jeff Keighley pretending to manage it all. Yeah, and I, I really I also wonder if like because one part of E three that I've never experienced before is the actual like business part of it with sure. people like having meetings and making connections and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know enough about the industry to know if other events have kind of like filled that void. But that does feel like something that E3 was really good at, right? Was like facilitating mm-hmm. those meetings face to face. And I wonder if that is something that um, people have been missing and are looking forward to the return of E3 for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's gotta be that's gotta be the case, right? Like, uh, just from the world of like comic books. Um, I know like comic cons are back. San Diego comic con is going to happen next week. Um, and like, I don't know, we're just in the middle of like a uh, COVID spike right now in Southern California. It seems like the worst possible time uh, for, th- for that to be happening. Not worst possible, but a bad time. Um, but like, yeah, the industry's hurting for it. Like um, the networking opportunities of just being in a space with other people who are doing the same thing is huge. Um that's I think they need to come back uh, in in all forms. It's for me still like I am nervous about uh, conventions and a lot of people being in the same space all at once. Saw those pictures from Anime Expo um, a, a couple weeks ago and just like people shoulder to shoulder, just like piles and piles of people. Makes me nervous, Mark. All that said, we should try to get. We should try we, to go to celebration. We, yeah. <laughs> you mean E three? No, I meant I mean- celebration. <laughs> but yeah, we should also go to E three. Yeah, we'll be there. If it's at if it's at the LA Convention Center, we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Last week Nintendo revealed the Splatoon 3 OLED Special Edition. It releases August 26th for $359.99, which is $10 more than the standard OLED model. Um, Splatoon 3 not included. It's releasing the system is releasing a few weeks before the game comes out. Uh, that's interesting. I had not caught that it's $10 more expensive than the regular OLED model. Um, what did, what do you think about this design, Mark? So when I first saw it, uh, it's basically like the right Joy-Con is yellow and green and has like some Splatoon um, design on it. I don't yeah. really know how to describe that. And one thing, I, and then the left one is blue and purple, and with then, like a nice gradient from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the back, uh, they're both polar white, like mm. the white Joy-Con. So that's kind of cool. And then the the switch itself, of course, has like a design etched on the back, and then the dock is white with a Splatoon design, and then a yellow like splat on it. When I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, that like represents Splatoon really well, like perfectly represents Splatoon." But I I don't think it is right for my life. I Mark, I am with you one hundred percent. I think it's very nice. I think like it says Splatoon, and if I was like a Splatoon head, I'd be like, "Yes, I'm getting that." But also, I'm not displaying it in my house. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm, also, I'm also not like pulling it out at the airport. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Um, it's it's it, this weird intersection of like very handsome, not for me. Yeah, it's very Splatoon, yes. which I like. Um, and I have the, or I used to have. I actually they stopped working, so I had to get new ones. But I had like the. Uh, pink and green Splatoon mm-hmm. 2 Joy-Con before that I was using as like my primary Joy-Con. It's a little bit too much for me. Um, launching September 9th is a Splatoon 3 Pro Controller that'll be 75 bucks, and a Splatoon 3 Switch carrying case that's tw- that is or 
75. I don't know if I said that correctly. Yeah, I think you did. For the Pro Controller. And then 25 for the carrying case. The Pro Controller is, you know, the the center portion of it is still black and has a Splatoon decor on it. And then, like, a design. And then the ha- handles, like, the grip part of it, one is just a neon green and the other one's a neon blue, but without any of the extra accoutrement yeah. of the special edition. Um, it's it's so interesting that, like, I, I do like these designs that are more, like, colorful, that are more audacious. Um, but just, like, as far as having it be, like, a piece of, like, my everyday life, that's just not... It's it's not part of the design aesthetic that I'm plugged into, right? Like, um, my apartment is very, like, white and gray um, with, like, individual pops of color, right? Um, and, like, Mark, your place is kind of similar uh, in, in that regard. You've got a little bit more, like, wood, uh, wood grain texture. We don't have any of that in my house. Um, but, like, to insert this in either of our homes would just be out of place, right? <laughs> you know, I, I think back to the original... Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think back to the original Switch release, and both of us got the, just, like, gray Joy-Con version. I don't, where are we boring? We we got the most boring version of the Switch. And I, I have moved away from that. I've gotten, like, colorful Joy-Cons. Yeah. Uh, since then. As have I. But but it was, like, our original choice was not to get the colorful Switch. So, yeah, we may just not be... Fun. We could take down a rat, no problem. No problem. We are killing that rat. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing: seeing this design made me go, "Oh, I should get the OLED. Like, I should get the the normal I white know, OLED." I know that that is the thing is that the white is so sleek. It, it really is, and I they're fairly available now. Yes, and so For I $10 have been cheaper than I've this been one. Very tempted. I mean, speaking of which, so there have, of course, because th- th- this has been the case since like 2018 have been rumors of more new hardware coming from Nintendo sometime this year. Oh, seamlessly Speci- moving into yeah. the next news story. <laughs> Specifically, the much-discussed Pro model. Uh, again, allegedly rumors, whispers, whatever you want to call it. Bomberman theories. Some are speculating a reveal as soon as this week, so maybe like I won't have to wait long to eat my words. But I am super, super skeptical. Same. Like, I know we had a new 3DS and a new 2DS that potentially could be the model for something like this, but it just feels like such a wonky time for it to be happening. So, but I, the reason I bring that up is because I feel the same way where, you know, my, I have an original model switch. Yeah. So it, uh, the battery life on it was never as good as, you know, the first revision that they had, plus it's old. And so the battery life is not that great. You know, the screen has seen better days, even though I try to take care of it, but just, like, putting it in and out of the dock. Just it existing in the world for five and a half years, like... And so, like, takes I... Takes its toll. I, on the one hand, I'm like, I should get an OLED model. But on the other hand, it feels like, well, how much longer can the Switch be? And so, you know, do I just hold out for another nine months, another year, and just get, like the whatever the switch successor is i mean if we were to know something by the end of like next week if we were to know that there was something by the end of next week then yeah i would wait for sure i would wait for the next thing but i mean i don't know at at some point you just gotta like i think it's impressive that we both have stuck with our launch day switches uh as as long as we have well and the thing that i don't want to happen and that happened with the 3ds and i regret is i have uh original 3ds xl and it was long in the tooth you know when the new 3ds came out right but it is especially long in the tooth now and th- it is impossible to get a new 3ds for right. like less than 400 dollars. and i think we're a little bit ways away you know if they announced a new switch model i don't think that the the existing oled model would go away but then i would be spending like 700 dollars or whatever to get both and so, but I, I just worry about getting stuck with this original switch when right. in a couple of years, I'm going to wish I had upgraded to like newer hardware that will live a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if the, if the next like switch thing, if the next uh, hardware, this pro model, which won't be called pro, um, if that's just like a stronger switch, then like then the OLED becomes irrelevant. That's true. If it becomes like a, if it's like a PlayStation 4 Pro, 
mm-hmm. where it plays all of my Switch games, but just can up them to 4K or whatever. If it truly loses no features, yeah. then... We, then yeah, then like I said, the OLED is irrelevant. Then the uh, the revision is irrelevant. Um, just the new one matters. So the thing is, yeah. So I still don't know what to do. I've been playing my Switch way more in handheld mode. I would say for the past year, yeah. than I ever did before. Before it was all TV, but more recently I've been playing it a lot in handheld mode, and that's just another reason to upgrade to the OLED. I don't know what to do, listeners. I need your help. How should I spend my money? Yes. So, uh, listeners, you have control of 350 <laughs> of Mark's dollars. Should he spend them on a new Nintendo Switch uh, OLED model or something else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, I'll wait the two weeks and then, uh, <laughs> and then make a decision. After going offline suddenly back in March, the Wii and the Nintendo DSi shop channels are back online. Other than a vague statement a few months ago about maintenance, Nintendo has never really commented on why they were down, but uh, they're back. You're able to download your previous purchases again. You can't buy new games. You know, that functionality has been shut off for quite some time. But now that it's back, if you did have stuff that you want to redownload, maybe a good time to do it because even though they did bring it back and they haven't announced like when they're going to end the ability to download titles from it. Uh, maybe just a good reminder that these things could go away at any time. Well, there so was not no, to wait. there was no warning last time. Right. It just happened. Uh, so, and we talked about various technical reasons that that might've been, um, but also maybe it was a, the, their plan and they knew they were going to, whatever. Um, the point is, the next time it goes away, there could also be no warning for that too. So like re-download the stuff if you want to uh, get your uh, DSi version of the uh, Game & Watch games that are on there. They're so good, but uh, you have to have already purchased them, of course. Nintendo Everything has published an interview with Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope producer Javier Manzanares talking about the team's relationship with Nintendo. According to Manzanares, the relationship in some ways is... I, I'm just going to... Um, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm not quoting this. We're the, summarizing. Yeah, I'm We're just like paraphrasing. Like, yes, I'm yeah. just uh, j- just paraphrasing. According to Manzanares, uh, the relationship in some ways is really similar to what it was in the first game, in that Nintendo acts more in like a supervisor role, and Shigeru Miyamoto plays the builds. They provide feedback, but basically tells the team, like, do what you will with these notes. You know, it's your game. We're just kind of like giving you our feedback. Yeah. Um, and but they still have to run everything by Nintendo that involves the characters or the setting. You know, like any Nintendo intellectual property has to be approved by Nintendo. Do you think that that means? Do you think Rabid Mario is a Nintendo character or an Ubisoft character? I ooh, that's a good question. I think it's an Ubisoft creation that Nintendo probably provided feedback on and had to sign off on. But if we were saying like who is the creator of it, I'd say Ubisoft. Like, if they're selling a Rabbit Mario toy, who's making that money? Yeah, that's a good question about Mario plus Rabbids in general, right? Yeah. When you buy a copy of Mario plus Rabbids, well, I wonder what the revenue split is. Right, or well, because it's, like it's, it's Nintendo up, like, published, right? And Ubisoft developed? Oh, yeah, maybe. Nintendo does publish these things, I, right? I they must. I think you're right. I think you're right. But then why would they go on sale so much unless they were, they were Ubisoft published? Boy, Mark, we don't have the answer to this question. No, but it, but it is a good question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I wish I could answer it. Manzanara says that in some ways the relationship has changed from the first game. There's, he says, like there's more trust with Nintendo, which makes sense. You know, they've already been through this before. The first one was a success, so they have more freedom to try new ideas, like the real time movement in battle instead of a cursor. And Bowser going with Mario on an adventure are things that he examples he gave that like he felt like this time they were able to they could do stuff like that because they had a little more freedom. Do people always forget that Mario and Bowser team up all, all the time? <laughs> I guess maybe apparently apparently they don't. Apparently, um... no, they do. <laughs> <laughs> They're always working together, and then he steals his girlfriend, and they <laughs> then they are against each other. Well, apparently, each, and then they go golfing together. Each time has to be vetted to make sure that is uh, this one of the times it's okay for them to be buddies. I'm hoping that there's like a a flow chart at Nintendo headquarters in Japan where it's like you know like. Uh, is Mario teaming up with Bowser? Yes, no. Like, sure, you yes. have to go through all of these uh-huh, yes. like scenarios mm-hmm. to make sure that it meets all the criteria for a team up. 
Um, it's just so funny because like the like the two places where I feel like it happens all the time are sports games, obviously, um, just because you can pick your teams, um, and RPGs. That, yeah, like, I guess I yeah I I feel like they don't like team they don't team up very often, like in in a story driven game. Sure. I'm just Super Mario RPG. They do team up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of five party members, um, and then Bowser's Inside Story. They're teamed up. Uh, are those the only two examples I have? Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe they are. But also, a lot of those games don't have uh, parties bigger than, uh, I guess, the Mario and Luigi games. The party is always just Mario and Luigi. Sometimes baby versions of themselves, and sometimes Paper Mario. Um, so it's an exclusive club. There is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I only have two examples. And both, neither of those uh, developed by Nintendo. True. Yeah. So both probably had to be vetted very carefully. <laughs> I didn't clock it in the recent trailer for Sparks of Hope or like, uh, or in the reveal trailer or anything, but Yoshi isn't a playable character anymore. And neither is Rabbit Yoshi. Both, right, yeah. both of those Yoshis are... are are not part of the game. Mark, I did clock this because I remember thinking, good. <laughs> we, I, we, we were talking about, we know we ranked the, the, the rabbits at some point. Yeah. Like a year ago, like a year ago. Um, so you can go back and listen to that. Um, but I, at present do not hold a very high opinion of rabbit Yoshi. Uh, we were trying to listen to the, like scrub through the episode to get to the um we just wanted the the, ranking, fi- the final right. ranking and we uh, we couldn't find it couldn't we, find we, it. we couldn't find where in the episode we like wrapped this thing up and i know we love to like recap those the the yeah. but we did i don't maybe we didn't do it and i don't know yeah i don't know either but uh in the part we were scrubbing through it did not sound like rabbit yoshi was ranking very high no because we were constantly putting things above it so that's right that's right that's right um but yeah uh surprise to me manzanera's doesn't address this directly in the interview with Nintendo Everything, but does say that the team working on the game had a goal of including nine characters. And so I guess with the addition of Edge, Bowser, and Rabbit Rosalina, somebody had to get cut. Uh, I think it's very funny that it means that regular old Rosalina is not a playable character in the game. Yeah, I think that's very funny. Which, yeah, that is, but I guess, yeah, that is interesting. And we, we haven't seen like a Rabbit Bowser, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, but I, he, so here, here is a, a true thing, um, that I think everyone needs to be more comfortable with is not every character that is in one version of the game needs to be in the sequel version of the game. Um, feels like you're speaking directly to Daisy fans. I am. <laughs> this feels very pointed. No, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I just think that like, generally speaking, it is okay to have like a weird random sampling of Mario characters, uh, in, in. In, uh, in a game um, and like some of the gameplay functionality of uh, the Yoshi rabbit and Yoshi will be present in the forms of these like other characters that are in here. Like that, that that'll always be true. Uh, yeah. I would give up Yoshi for edge any day. Totally. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, I would give up rabbit or I would give up. Yeah. I'd give up rabbit Yoshi for either rabbit Rosalina or regular, regular old Bowser. Do you think that in hand to hand combat, Ooh, to the death. I could beat a Yoshi? You could beat a Yoshi. How tall is Yoshi? I feel like, I'm going to say, guess canonically, he's like four feet tall. That's pretty big. And he's got that tongue He's going. got that tongue, and the tongue then is what, like... And he could eat us and turn us into six eggs feet and long? then, like, pummel us to death? Yeah, no, there's no way. I'm, I'm dropping in an instant. Yeah. A baby Yoshi, though. Oh, yeah, I could punt that could, thing I out could of, smash right that out thing skull in, no problem. <laughs> Finally, Coldstone Creamery has three new new in Nintendo-inspired desserts. Mighty Pink Puff, which is celebrating Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Island Getaway, celebrating Animal Crossing New Horizons. And Superstar Sprinkle Blast, celebrating Mario Party Superstars. Um, I don't know how long this lasts, but Patrick and I took no risks. And just before recording this, other than the risk of contracting COVID by going to a, <laughs> a Coldstone Creamery, going to a Coldstone Creamery, we uh, went to Coldstone Creamery, and 
attempted to buy all three. We succeeded in we buying succeeded in some buying version, version of all three. Of all three we said we'd like all the Nintendo ones, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a sign at the counter saying, we are out of chocolate ice cream. We are out of the cake batter ice cream. And those are two of the bases. Uh, those are the bases for the Animal Crossing New Horizons and for the uh, Mario Party Superstars ice cream. Yeah. And so uh, the ice cream person, artist, sculptor, <laughs> yeah, sculptor at Coldstone, uh, offered other alternatives we could use that were like close. And so we tasted a version of all of these. The Mighty Pink Puff, which is the Kirby one, is strawberry ice cream, strawberries, mini marshmallows, and caramel. Now let's just talk about this one because it was the best one. It was. I thought it was going to be disgusting because it sounds like. Mini marshmallows, strawberry ice cream, caramel. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? No. Uh, but genuinely a delight. It was hands down the best. It was sure. light. It was sweet. It was uh, fluffy. Just a, a wonderful. And look, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, we love it, mm-hmm. right? We love its ice cream, too. Island getaway. Chocolate ice cream, strawberries. I don't think ours had strawberries. Strawberries, banana, and whipped topping. Okay, so... This is where things start to go real wrong um, because they didn't have chocolate ice cream. So, like, they don't have the main ingredient. Is that going to make the whole thing fall apart? Well, so they had chocolate, uh, I don't know what you would call it, made with silk, so almond milk. Right. And uh, tasting it by itself, this one was disgusting. Yeah. Tasting it by itself, it tasted like chocolate ice cream. So I don't really know where this one went wrong. Maybe I just don't like chocolate ice cream and banana. I, so that that for me was like the big hang up was getting a big chunk of banana because it's not just like banana flavoring or whatever it is. They banged up little bits of banana mm-hmm. and like, uh, you know, folded it in, into the ice cream as Cold Stone does. Um, but, yeah, I think the combination of that and the chocolate silk ice cream like did not work. I'm not convinced that it really would have worked with right, real ice cream no. either. Um, this one for me was like a hard misconceived, yeah. disgusting. Uh, finally, the superstar sprinkle blast was cake batter ice cream, which we replaced with French vanilla because they were out of yeah, uh, yeah, because they were out of cake batter ice cream. Then yellow cake pieces, blue frosting. We just had to settle for regular frosting because they didn't have the blue and rainbow. Sprinkles. I promise we went to like a real cold stone <laughs> and not just someone who was like, yeah, I can make those. <laughs> um, this one was. Uh, not disgusting. Not disgusting. Uh, not nearly as good as the Mighty Pink Puff, but the Superstar Sprinkle Blast was a solid outing. Mm-hmm. It tasted like eating a, a, a vanilla ice cream cake. And I wonder if uh, like the ice cream itself being the cake batter, if it would have been too much. Uh, yeah, I actually think – I mean, we will never be able to – say this for sure but right. i do wonder because we are not going back <laughs> i do wonder if we got the improved version i think by we not did. getting cake batter ice cream here's the thing i did miss the blue frosting it would have because uh, the frosting that we we got was just white right so it was like yeah i'm assuming the flavor profile would have been the same but yeah the but blast of color it would have been a blast of color a feast we, for the eye we see the pictures of it and we're like wow yeah um but then we got the actual cup and it's just like white with sprinkles on it uh-huh um also, it is worth noting at this point that you there are uh, special like Nintendo cups that have graphics of uh, these three games on them, but they are only available in the gotta have it size, which is they go like it, love it, gotta have it, gotta have it's the biggest size. Um, we ordered three like it's because we're two grown men who are crashing right now from our uh, from the sugar high of eating the, this ice cream. And we were already ordering three of them. We were already ordering three of them. I basically begged my husband to come with us so and he way, wouldn't do it <laughs> so we could have three grown men buying right. uh, three ice cream then we could pretend that it wasn't like some <laughs> weird thing that we were like we want all the nintendo ones <laughs> but we did that um we didn't we didn't finish any of these no um but we could have we could have finished we could have destroyed that mighty pink puff. the mighty pink puff is so good yeah. uh, if, if if you are interested in getting any of these i would say go for the mighty pink puff. and i know it sounds disgusting we know that, but it's good it's anyway. Good, yep. Um, all right, Mark, let's close this out. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform where you can either rate, review, or follow us. 
or favorite us or whatever. Um, if you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share things. It helps us out tremendously when you tell someone else to listen to the show. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. Um, you can also get on that Discord um, if you are reaching out to us there. Uh, talk to us there. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening.